and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. How's it going? We're back with an all-new season, season 15 of Shark Tank. And guess who else is back? John, back from paternity leave. Welcome. I must say, you timed that well. You know, there's this famous quote from a famous book said by the titular character. The line that goes, Can't repeat the past, he cried incredulously. Why, of course you can. Well, the irony of this statement and what today's founders are trying to do is simply delicious. But hey, before we get into all that, yeah, here's Natal's sport. Ouch. Growing pains hurt. And when you're a marketer trying to generate leads for your startup, you know the pain all too well. Thankfully, there's HubSpot for startups. It's a special program that gives startups discounts on HubSpot and so much more. But first, let's talk about the platform. The platform unites your entire front office, from marketing to sales to support. The platform that streamlines your support tickets, generates more leads, and increases sales. The platform that scales right along with you. HubSpot for Startups has it all. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit hubspot.com startups. So today's product is Gatsby, as the intro kind of alluded to. And Gatsby is brought to us by John and Doug, also known as Raj and Dodge. We didn't get the origin story. That's just what they like to be called. And they are the brothers who have founded Halo Top. And Raj and Dodge are coming to us asking for $500,000 for 5% in their company Gatsby. And that is a $10 million valuation. Now, Gatsby is a chocolate with health top of mind. The problem it's trying to solve for is that chocolate is loaded with calories and fat and sugar, you know, all the good stuff. But what if you could cut that all in half and not even have to compromise with the taste of your chocolate? That's why we have Gatsby. And Gatsby is a premium chocolate product. So thinking about our pitch and our product and our founder and our branding— What are our initial thoughts of Gatsby? I love this product. I think this is an incredible product. I think they've got a little bit of work to do on it to really make it take off. Mm -hmm. um, When I can see why they are looking for a shark. But I think that the problem that they solve in the world is like a real need. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because I have a new baby in my family and I'm up a lot in the middle of the night. But I've been eating a lot of chocolate. And it's a good comfort uh, food. A lot of late night chocolate. Yes. You eat a lot of chocolate, Ariel? I do. A dark. I'm a dark chocolate kind of girl. Are you more milk chocolate, white chocolate? I'm milk chocolate. Turns out I tried them all over this leave and, and during my late nights with my new little baby and definitely finding myself more of a milk chocolate guy. Hmm. But you know what? It is so bad for me. Milk chocolate, not good for you. And so I was so excited when I saw this product. I immediately got excited about it. Yeah, this is definitely a product I would at the very least try. One of the founders essentially created Halo Top ice cream. It's very bright up front in their packaging, very similar to the Gatsby kind of packaging. My only question is, why wasn't this applied to the chocolate as a product line extension? Yeah, there's a lot of questions related to Halo Top in this. I mean, I think the reason they didn't do a product line extension aerial is because they sold Halo Top. They sold it in 2019 for a ton of money, Mm. I think. And so they didn't own Halo Top anymore. Uh I think if they owned Halo Top, they probably would have just launched this as a Halo Top chocolate bar. And Mm -hmm. I think everybody would have immediately got it. The thing is, I read a bunch about Halo Top. Mm -hmm. Turns out they had the exact same problems. And I think this is kind of what's a little confusing to me. Yeah, that is interesting because they had a repackaging and redesign from when they initially went into market. 
The packaging is such a huge component here. And I think why Halo Top was so successful. This chocolate, they took a very similar kind of approach. When you do go in a market and you are positioning yourself, you immediately need to be able to convey to your consumer the value prop of why they should pick your product over anyone else's. And you really only have like two to three seconds to do that. That's right. I don't think it'd be hard for them to convince a whole swath of the population that like that's the value prop. But it seemed like there were like two big lessons they learned with Halo Top. Number one was that the packaging needed to just like be the thing that made it stand out. And number two was that they needed to have some different angle. And it seemed Mm -hmm. like the angle that Halo Top had was that you could eat the whole pint. It had so few calories that you could eat the whole pint. Number one, I'm surprised they didn't invest way more in packaging development. And number two, I'm surprised they didn't lean way more into that differentiator of like, you can eat this whole chocolate bar. Right. And having that more clear in the upfront. So let's talk about this packaging. I love the moment when the guest shark Candace Nelson said, as soon as she saw the branding, she knew that a man was behind it. You know, I get the concept. If you're going to name a product, you want it to be a name that, you know, people are aware of, something that they already have an association with. And also Gatsby is a really cool name. But Gatsby, the typography is what threw me off. The fact that the Y is a little martini, I'm like, is this an alcoholic chocolate? Yeah. I think it's just a matter of just like slightly tweaking the name. It's a cool sounding name. But if they lean in more towards something that's a little bit more common for that category, then I don't think they would have as many issues with awareness and like brand stickiness. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with using the name Gatsby. I think the only problem is I would assume that if the great Gatsby's eating chocolate, that's like full sugar chocolate, you know? So <laughs> Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Gatsby's indulgence without question, right? Like maximum indulgence. Fair. So to me, that's the only problem. But I had no problem with the brand itself. It To me, it all came down to the packaging. I think they should communicate their differentiator much more clearly. I would make Gatsby small. And I would consider putting right on the package, eat this whole bar today. You know, like something that like actually just like, bam, like communicates the value prop. Call to action. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) You know, I think you're right. They may not win the literati over, uh, but I think for the average consumer, I think the average consumer thinks Gatsby equals decadence parties. Awesome. I want to eat this. My take. Okay, so let's talk numbers. They sold 2.5 million last year, most of that coming in Q4. Retails for $3.99 and costs 190 to make, that's a 35 to 40% margin, which is, you know, pretty good. But the big problem here is that there's no free cash flow yet. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. They said that they sold 2.5 million this past year and they thought they'd do 2 million this year. So they must have had some like bulk order or something that Hmm. somebody didn't renew or something like that. But they're going to do 2 million in revenue, but they're losing money. And this is the problem for them when it comes to valuation is that they basically came in and they were asking for a $10 million valuation, but Mm -hmm. they have no free cash flow. It's hard to get a 5X forward revenue multiple on a CPG product that essentially has zero profit associated with it. Okay. Well, first of all, this is the first episode of a new season of Shark Tank. And I will just say like over the last season or two, I think we've seen the level of sophistication on Shark Tank go up a lot. Yeah. It's just really cool because I think that the sharks have been able to increase the level of sophistication in the offers they're making because I Mm -hmm. think entrepreneurship is increasingly popular and there's a lot more literature and education on entrepreneurial finance and how to structure these deals. But what they're basically doing here, they were kind of just saying, your company is definitely not worth $10 million. And so that's a non-starter. And we could give you $250,000 for 20% of the company, which basically implies that your company is worth $1.25 million. We don't actually think it's worth $1.25 million, but for the sake of the cap table and to allow us to take some risk on, that's what we could say. But if we help you grow it, then we actually want to own more of the company. 
And so what they said was they said, hey, look, we'll give you that valuation. And if we get basically additional revenue targets met, then we want additional equity given to us. And so Mm -hmm. they're investing at a $1.25 million valuation, but they're basically saying if we had a certain amount of revenue, then we actually wanted to invest at an $833,000 valuation, or we wanted to invest at a $500,000 valuation. And that matters because that just means they're going to own more of the company. Hmm. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. If you're listening, Shark Tank producers, the John Math is always available to pop on (laughs) to live broadcast and and weigh in. But I thought it was interesting within the negotiation process, right, that the founder just so upfront was like, well, what happens when, you know, exit comes? And I feel like that's so rare that we will hear founders, you know, openly kind of say that when they're seeking investment. Well, that's where the second time entrepreneurship comes in. Mm. This is the reason to bet on them that you brought up, Ariel, is that they've exited a company really successfully. And so not only do they know how to build and scale and create value for investors, which is something every investor would look for in someone they give money to. But they also are just way more realistic about what sort of outcomes there are. And if you're an investor, one of the biggest things you would worry about is when will I get my money back? And there's a couple of ways to get your money back if you're an investor. One is either a company would go public Mm -hmm. or it would get acquired by some other company. Or you can make your money back another way, which is by basically relying on profits from the business over time. That second path is much, much longer road Mm. to make your money back. And so, you know, there's time value of money is an important concept where, you know, money basically loses value over time and you want access to your money as soon as possible. So hearing successful entrepreneurs who've exited a company talk about exiting this new company that's basically running the same playbook as the first company is, I think, very attractive to the sharks. Totally makes sense. Well, Raj and Dodge land the deal with Mark and Lori. Honestly, for a product so in need of branding support, the shark queen herself, Lori, could not have been a better option. Humble opinion. But we'll see what her and Mark can do to turn around some of these sales. Yeah. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, meh, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.